Hello and welcome back to the Galena Ravina podcastina. Took a bit of a hiatus there, um, but that's okay. Some of you may have not noticed. Nobody complained, so I will and won't take that personally. But anyway, the important thing is I'm back with an episode here that I'm pretty excited about. So this is my friend, comedian Ken Gar. He's actually one of the first people that I met doing stand-up in Los Angeles about eight years ago, and we've been friends ever since. He's super talented, and he just released a special over July 4th that's called American Hero. So he's got that out on YouTube, and I believe it's also going to be out on Amazon. So you should check that out if you like the interview. And we have a fun little chat. We talk about what he went through filming this special, and then we get into, you know, um, how (laughs) he was duped into watching and ended up loving 90 Day Fiance, um, and he's got a meme account for that, so that's really funny. And then we also just talk about, like, military gigs and things of that nature. He and I had some similar experience in doing rehab shows, and so we just catch up on that. And it's a really good, fun chat. And if you want to learn more about him, he is uh, he's available on social media, and I'll plug all of his stuff. I'll have him plug his upcoming show special. And I believe he mentioned that he's going to be in Dubai in August. So if I have any listeners there, you should definitely go check him out. All right. Enjoy the episode. welcome good to see you it's been a minute yeah your special just came out yeah it came out on july 4th and uh it's called american hero and uh i'm very patriotic i'm very you know i love her (laughs) did you know you were gonna release it on july 4th or no timed that way it all it this whole thing happened like all on accident i did a i was gonna release an album um, that I, re- I recorded at Zany's in Chicago like a couple of years ago um, because, you know, as you, you know, because I got married almost two years ago. And so I had a bunch of material from like being single and dating and divorced and all that stuff. And I just didn't want to do it anymore. I literally leaned over to my wife while we were getting married. And I'm like, I just lost like three quarters of my act. <laughs> so, She's like, these are my favorite vows. Thank you so yeah, much. Yeah. So, and, you know, and as a comedian, you know, you don't want to be like on stage being like, dating's hard, huh? And you're like, wife's in the audience. Uh-huh. <laughs> you're like, so like, he's wearing a ring. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, a, I bite it off before I get off stage. <laughs> um, but what I wanted to do was, I, you know, I wanted, to, I wanted to just create an album. Um, and then, you know, because everything's now everything's a visual platform, you know, so it's like TikTok, it's Instagram, it's YouTube, it's like, and so Michael Malone, who directed the special, actually convinced me to just do a special. And then I had all this 
like pandemic material that I wrote during the pandemic and that's got a shelf life. So, you know, it's like even now, like doing a vaccine joke isn't hitting as hard as it did like six months ago or a year. So I just wanted to like, I had this like time capsule and I wanted to create a special around that. Mm-hmm. And so we, um, we got a venue in Chicago where I've actually been doing stand-up since the beginning. And um, we filled it up uh, with like 300 people and we shot a six camera shoot. And, um, and then what happened was I was going to try to like, you know, sell it to all the streamers. And then, um, once we got it edited, I saw an article that came out about how everyone's just putting everything on, um, on, uh, YouTube for free. And so it seems to be the way to go now. And then, you know, you don't give up any rights to anything. Right. And so like, you know, if I went through, like, I had like meetings with like comedy dynamics and 800 pound gorilla and all these other companies. And I'm like, you know, look, I can, you know, basically give them the producer credit and then I have to split the revenue mm-hmm. or I can just like do this grassroots and throw it up on YouTube. And then what, what we're able to do is we're able to actually put it up on Amazon as well. And so I'll have a whole different, I'll have a whole different audience um, as well. So, and now like immediately once I released it, I'm able to chop it up. I put it on YouTube. You know, one of them got like 300,000 views and other ones like like the numbers are like really taken off already so that's probably more than you'd get on one of the streaming sites I mean I know Netflix doesn't even release their numbers to the artists and then right. you know nobody has showtime nobody's really looking at specials on HBO so it's like the grassroots way is the answer these days plus if you want to sell tickets you have to have clips like you have to have reels on Instagram yeah. and you have to do TikTok and as resistant as I am to it and as much as I hate it and maybe you're in the same you know arena with me of being a little irritated that that's how it works these days it's like you can only fight it for so long well it's it, you know what's happened is that we have we have basically um, become the music industry model so years ago when napster came out and all of a sudden you could just get music for free like like they started losing millions and millions of dollars but they started making money on concerts right Mm -hmm. and so the way it was positioned to me was like look you you want to build an audience with this special and you want to sell you like you want people to come out and see ken gar like you want them to buy a ticket and be a Mm -hmm. draw so that you know um so like give it's almost like drugs like give it away for free yeah. And then finally, like when they come, like, you know, they're, they're consumers. And so, you know, that, that model made sense. Like Sam Morell's doing it. Andrew Schultz, they've had a lot of success mm-hmm. with it and you don't have to give up your, your rights. I, I own the material still. So I'll throw it up on Sirius XM. You know, I can throw it up on any of these, you know, social media platforms and like it's all directed toward me. I launched a new website. So like there's places for people to go and check out other content. So you know, I feel pretty good about it. You know, I mean, everybody, you know, look, at the end of the day, everybody wants Netflix and Showtime and HBO. But at the same time, it's just like, you know, I, I can't sit around and wait for that to happen. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, you have to go out there and just like, go get your audience. And yeah, especially you like you were saying, you want to get that material out and be done with it since it's not necessarily evergreen, but it's still really funny stuff. Like I remember you had me open for running that hour here in LA, which was yeah. super fun. Thank you for that. Sure. And then I heard it and it was such a good hour, but like you definitely, I remember you doing that single material back when you were single. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it was like, oh, okay. Shelf life. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> And it was funny as I shot, I shot the special on March 6th in Chicago. And then, you know, um, 
it, it was basically done like the first of July. And I'm like, you know what? Let's put up Fourth of July. But I kept hitting up the editors. I'm like, these jokes are getting old. I need, I need it. Done. <laughs> I was gonna ask about the timing of it because I remembered it was like um, early spring, but I guess not even spring if you shot it the first week of March. Yeah, we went through a couple of different editors, and then um, you know, again, like I financed everything myself. I shot it myself, and so you know, you're kind of, you know, I don't have that. I didn't have that big budget to go out and get like a. I mean, I had some great editors. These guys did a phenomenal job. The special looks amazing, but I was kind of like at the mercy of their time. But you know, at the same time, it was like um, I, it, it just came out when it did. You know, I, I didn't get mad. I wasn't like, oh, let's you know, let's get this out. Let's go. Mm -hmm. it, it was more like you know, it'll be ready when it's ready. You know, and I just kind of go with the flow. And it worked out to like come out January fourth, <laughs> and it's called American Hero. So I was like, this is perfect. Yeah, that this, is. This is. Where did you get that name? You know, so I so basically, I I had done five years ago. I did a uh, tour in Iraq and Kuwait, and and so you know, that was my first time doing a armed forces entertainment tour. And, um, you know, they give you an idea like, oh, you're going to go to Kuwait, you're going to go to Iraq, you're going to like, but they don't tell you like how dangerous some of these places are and like, like how high risk you, you really are until you mm -hmm. get there. And so the whole time I was there, it was just like, I can't believe I'm in this situation. And, and like people like choose to be there, like people like, give up their lives and their families, like at least time with their families and, and, and time with their, you know, their careers to like go and fight these wars. And I'm like, like, and basically these guys are the heroes. So it's kind of this like pun of like, I'm not really, I'm a total pussy. Like, I'm like what's funny is like, this is how sick comedians are. Like, I can't, I can honestly tell you that was the most comfortable I've been in like four years was just huh. being in a, in Iraq. I'm like, <laughs> I was just comfortable. I was like, like, this is cool. This is fun. I could die at any time. Sure. You know, like whatever. Like if like, I'm like, and here's how sick comedians are. Like if I get killed in Iraq, I'm like, that's a great story. <laughs> like, like I, like, I hope Galena can like take some, like make a joke out of this. Like, Oh, I had a friend that, you know, cause uh, yeah. Cause, but, but I mean, those shows are amazing. If you ever get a chance to do one of those military shows, absolutely do it. Uh, because yeah. They're so grateful um, that you came all that way. They're so grateful that you're you're putting your life at risk um, to just entertain them, bring a little piece of home for them. So, but yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of a play on words because I'm I'm not I'm not a hero at all. <laughs> <laughs> I've gotten a taste where I mean, I would love to like travel abroad and and do it as intensely as you did it. I did a yeah. show at a military base once that was like kind of near um, the California Nevada border, and it was wild <laughs> yeah like we yeah. drove you know a couple hours to get to it we get there it's this massive base I'd never even been on a military base ever so I didn't know what to expect and it's just like mind-blowing because you're still out of there but as you're driving up the whole other side of the road is just tank tank right yeah tank, and you're like am I on another planet this feels so surreal and then we got there and it was like you know in a giant cafeteria and right. I was like, you could just sense it truly, even they are so grateful that we're there because I don't think there's like a lot of people coming on site to entertain them. Um, and they were freaking fun. They were rowdy. I mean, yeah. some people were like, oh, take off your shirt. Give me your number. Oh, <laughs> like, pretty rowdy, but not yeah. in an offensive, not in like a shitty audience kind of way. Like they were super fun. 
ironically, they said the same thing to me. It was, <laughs> it was awkward. It was uncomfortable. <laughs> it's like, why are you saying that, you guys? Um, yeah, it's crazy because, like, uh, you know, they, you know, you tra- so you travel from base to base, and like, I'm I was literally in like the C-130 military plane wearing night vision goggles over Baghdad and I'm like no like nobody gets to do this shit like comics get to do this like everyone else has to like devote four years of their life to this yeah and I'm just like I guess I get to go do this fun shit so um so it was cool it was a great experience and like you said like they're so grateful and the shows are amazing and you know I it took me uh, just a couple of shows to realize they just wanted to get ripped on and Mm -hmm. so once you start like doing crowd work and just start ripping on them like they love it you know And, and these guys are like loyal fans these guys will be fans for life they've come to shows in tulsa and vegas and chicago like i i I keep in contact with a lot of these people Mm -hmm. because they're like so grateful and loyal that you're there so of course i love that i have to ask so why did they give you night vision goggles it's not like you're gonna see something and be like guys (laughs) (laughs) to a block yeah, they, they just uh, here try these on, and then I, I did. I looked over to the left, and I see this huge flash, and I go, "Whoa!" I go, "Guys!" I go, "On the there's a flash over." They're like, "That was lightning." I go, "Oh, okay." <laughs> I was like, I was like, I was like, "Incoming!" They're like, "Go back in the back of the plane." I was like, "So they just gave them to you just to make you feel included, yeah?" Because like you're on the plane, you have to wear night vision goggles. No, 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 no. Yeah, no. They just wanted me to like like just check out night vision goggles for the first time, but it was insane. And then like we're in this one base. And they have like this anti-aircraft uh, gun, and it and it oh. and it sounds like an elephant, um, you know, like one of because it's firing so many rounds. Mm-hmm. And the guy told me that they shot off like just in the test alone, they shot off twenty thousand rounds, and each round costs like ten dollars. And and I was like, so you could have just sent like four people to college. <laughs> For like that test, <laughs> and then I was like, dollars hard at work. I know, and I'm like, what are we doing here? Like, there's nothing. There's literally nothing here. One comedian said to me, "He's like, wake me up when you see a tree." <laughs> and, I was like, and I support the troops, and I and I love these guys. But like, mm-hmm. you walk around a little bit, and you're like, what are we doing here? Like, there's yeah. nothing. There's nothing here. You know. Oh, that's wild. And then didn't you go to, if I'm remembering correctly, there was like a country in Africa that the tour took you to? Yeah, so we went to Djibouti, Africa. Djibouti. And I didn't want to say, I was going to say yeah. Djibouti or something, and then I'm like, I'm going to sound dumb. Yeah. <laughs> so we ended up, and here's what's funny about Djibouti. So that base has been there for years. And and so like, it's very low risk. Like there's not a lot, like there's nothing crazy. All the special forces like leave from there. So you're like literally hanging out with like, like, like these hot navy seals that are just like 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 hey come spot me i'm like i don't want to spot you dude i will <laughs> drop this on your throat and and so what's funny is you go from like these high risk areas where like you got to wear kevlar and helmets mm-hmm. and then you go to like this essentially i i even told them i'm like this is like club med i'm like you got a pool you got like a volleyball court like you got air conditioning they were drinking beer on the base Wow. Like, like the guy at the gate has like a hookah shell necklace. And I was like, all right, you guys come on in. Um, so you time traveled to the nineties. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> it was, it was like spring break. It was like MTV spring break. I'm like, where's Polly Shore at? But, uh, but it was cool, man. They, they just, um, they, they gave us like a tour of like the base and, um, you know, we just had a good time, but it was, it was like literally 116 degrees there. And it was like, it's, and it's right on the equator. So it's like, right like the most humid port part excuse me of our planet 
so it's just humid and hot and and you know so like my I tip my hat to those guys because I, I couldn't stay there and they're there for like years at a time yeah but what time of the year was this this was in um I went there in May so mm. it was actually it was actually warming up pretty good and I'm like it's like 112 in May like yeah this is nothing I was like Jesus <laughs> Good luck. I'll be back at home in my air conditioning. See ya. I'm like, I go to Palm Springs and I'm like, how does anyone live out here? <laughs> I don't I don't want to change the subject, but I don't understand the allure of Palm Springs. I don't I do not, There's nothing there. I've there's been nothing there. there and it's so hard to do anything at all. I go out there for work here and there and yeah. it's just difficult to get out of my car and walk the 20 feet from like my car to the FedEx front door. I'm like, people are just doing this. You can't, there's nothing you can wear to make yourself more comfortable. It's oh. so hard to breathe. And I get that like dry heat is supposed to not be as intense as, you know, humidity heat. But when you're in the three digits, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. No, I, I've, I, I filmed a movie out there and I'm just, and it was my first time there. And I'm like, I don't know what the draw is here. Like that's where Frank Sinatra used to live. He used to mm -hmm. live out in Palm Springs. And I'm like, and I got, I mean, I mean, I get the, I guess they have great golf courses, but like, <laughs> there's no ocean, there's yeah. no hiking. There's no, it's just, it's just the desert. And I'm like, I don't, I don't understand. But everyone's like, oh, I'm going to Palm Springs this weekend. It's going to be tight. I'm like, okay, you're going to, you're going to go sweat your ass off for three days. And be dehydrated because you're going to get, I mean, every, obviously everyone gets wasted out there, which is hilarious, but yeah, you just, I mean, the mountains look really pretty, but they only look that pretty like during sunset and sunrise. So it's like a <laughs> small window each day where I'm like, okay, I get why you're here, but the other 23 hours are terrible. Yeah. 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 Galena just comes out for one hour. Like, <laughs> back in. Back to LA. Back in. Yeah. Have you done that? Um, I guess I liked the little uh, tram thing in Palm Springs when I went out there and did that. No, I never did that. Does it take you up in the mountains or something? It takes you up to the mountains. It's like a little, it feels like a little glass fishbowl that just goes up some wires, you know, okay. 20 people in there or so. Yeah. And the higher up you go, the, the more, like, the climate just completely changes. I went on a weekend where, um, I feel like I should whisper this, I went to Coachella. <laughs> <laughs> Get it. <laughs> <laughs> During my time off, um, I was going up there and it's, you know, 110, 115 on the ground. And then you go up there and it's like 45 and there's snow. Oh, wow. Like yeah. Ill prepared. And people will just take the tram and just hike and camp up there in the mountains where it's super cold. And I'm like, you could have just gone to Big Bear. <laughs> yeah. I, I would go like halfway, like right, right when it gets to about 70. I'm like, all right, mm -hmm. stop the tram. Yeah. We'll just eat right here. Yeah. It's so funny too when you forget, because you forget like when you're in a desert climate that it gets just as cold at night as it is hot during the day. It's true. You know, so even like sometimes in the, like, in the winter months in Vegas, you're like, it's Vegas. Yeah. And then you're like, you're out. Like, this is the <laughs> coldest I've ever been in my life. Yeah. I did, um, I performed at EDC in Vegas a couple months ago. Oh, nice. Crazy, yeah. And the um, the stand-up happened during the day, which, you know, prime time for comedy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was at 4 p.m. and it was in a tent on the campgrounds. And I would say there was probably 150 to 200 people in the tent where the show was happening. But, you know... 110 of them are there for the shade and not because they know right. that yeah. comedy is happening. <laughs> Galena Ravina is here. Like, oh, get to the tent. 
and you're like, oh, you guys are all so hungover. And you, you know, the ones of you who aren't hungover, you're only that way because you started drinking the second you woke up and you're out here in this like 100 degree heat. And again, I don't see the appeal. And I also don't know how anyone has it in them to camp and then also be fucked up the entire day. Oh, that's like a awful combination. Yeah. Like I, I've done like, you know, I'm, I've done like weed, weed stores before or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's so funny because there's such a delay from the punchline to the laugh. Oh my you know, God. Yeah. I hate, like, it's funny to be, to do those shows, but I've done those weed shop shows too. And you're like, this is the same as the rehab shows that I do every right. <laughs> <laughs> Sir, can you wake up please, sir? Yeah. Like, wake up. This is just the premise. Come on, get back here. <laughs> Come back to me. I think I took, didn't I take you on one of those rehab shows? Yeah, but the rehab yeah. show that you took me to, the Malibu one, was, like, much better than some of the, I've done probably a handful of them. Okay. You took me to a nice one where everybody was, like, actively recovering in, like, a super nice facility. Right. But I had done a couple that were at, um, like, a hospital during the immediate, like, withdrawal oh, yeah. stage, like, still there, very much, yeah. very fresh. And I was like, oh, yeah, this isn't, like, I don't need to be, these people don't know I'm here. Yeah. You know, like, one guy's oh. like upside down on the couch, someone else right. is asleep, someone else is like yelling for a nurse. I'm like, why am I doing 15 minutes? Like, who needs this? <laughs> one guy has a seizure. You're like, I am killing it right now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that guy just went into a seizure. I'm crushing it. Yeah. Have you ever done a hostel before? I oh, no, I have done a hostel. I did the hostel in Santa Monica. There's a oh my God. show over there. And Those... yeah, half the crew doesn't speak English. Right. They like the half the room doesn't speak English, but they're still polite and like laughing and smiling. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But there's no, they like they'll laugh at the premise or they'll laugh at like in the middle of the joke. And it's like, oh, that guy moved his hands weird. That was funny. I was like, <laughs> oh my God. Makes you wonder why we do this. I know. Honest to God. It's so funny. <laughs> What's funny is like post COVID, I've been saying no to a lot of shows because mm -hmm. I got married and I'm like, and I'm working regularly, thankfully, and and I'm just like, I don't, you know, I don't want to go do that show. That sounds like it's going to be terrible, you know. I mean, it's so funny. I'm not any less uh, ambitious than I was pre-COVID. I would say I'm more ambitious given the fact that we basically were on pause for a year and a half. But at the same time, I'm being a lot more selective around doing some of these shows because I just don't, I don't, no, no comic wants to leave going like, well, oh, that sucked. You know what I mean? You want right. to you know, you want to have good shows and good audiences, but you know, yeah. I'm glad you're saying no. It takes a long time and it took the pandemic to get me to say no to a lot of stuff. I mean, the running around that used to happen with open mics and stuff, I like almost don't do them anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and here's what's funny. I know a lot of, a lot of comedians will disagree with me, but you know, I, I did zoom shows during the pandemic and just like every other comedian, you know, we're like, you know, some embraced it, some absolutely refused. And kind of mm -hmm. like, I was kind of in the middle. I was like, I don't want to do it. I'm an artist, you know? Yeah. And then all of a sudden they're like, well, we'll pay you this amount of money. I'm like, I'll be there on Tuesday, you know? Because, <laughs> you know, we we didn't have any money. And so, um, but anyways, I say all that to say this, which is just like, Zoom was very different in regards to audience reaction, but it taught me or gave me the confidence that I can still be funny regardless of the format. You know what I mean? And so even if I took like a month off where there was no work or no Zoom shows, I could like pick it up and be funny again. And so for me, like that idea of like, I got to get up every single night. I got to like do three, four shows a night. I got, you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. that hustle. Um, 
isn't there for me anymore only because I know that having taken some time off and I can just still be funny, still know my act, like, you know, and, and so it, it kind of changed my perspective a little bit to have more of a work-life balance because mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't have a work-life balance. It was all work. And, and when the, when the pandemic hit, I didn't even know who I was as a person or like what I was supposed to do because I just wasn't, I didn't have anything to do, you know? Now we're so conditioned, like you better not take any nights off. And it was the same way for me where I was like, oh crap, you know, I'd probably never taken more than like a week, maybe 10 days off before. And then when it hit, I probably didn't do a Zoom show for like at least the first two or three months. I mean, Mm -hmm. I literally went months without doing stand-up. It was like, oh, and then it did feel really weird getting back into it. And then it also felt really weird when I like started doing real shows again, but only for like a show or two. And then it just felt natural again. Right. Yeah. That's how I felt about the zoom shows. Like for me, I was like, Oh, this is weird. But then, you know, I told everyone like unmute your microphone, turn on your camera. Like, you know, and, and, and what's funny is I think it made me a better comedian than that. Now I feel I'm much more conversational on stage. You know what I mean? As opposed to like, these are the jokes. Here's the setup. Here's the, you know, here's the punchline. Now it seems to flow out of me in a more conversational way because I'm used to like just sitting in my chair telling jokes in a, in a laptop, you mm-hmm. know? Um, so it's kind of for me, like, and, and I hate to say this because I know a lot of people went through a lot of painful tragedies during the pandemic, but like, I had a great pandemic. I like married the love of my life. Mm-hmm. She, she won the prices right. I, I prepared for my special, I, you know, like all these great things happened for me during the pandemic because it forced me to stop that like hustle of doing like three mics a night and like mm-hmm. trying to get on all these shows. It didn't matter. Right. Like w- once I started focusing on the things that I wanted to focus on, then things started becoming a lot more successful for me, mm-hmm. you know? And- so what's your, like, you were talking about work-life balance what's the life stuff that now you give more time to? I mean, obviously your marriage, but like, did you pick up any new hobbies? What are you doing um, just to like feed your spirit? I mean, it's, you know, I'm not doing that thing where it's just like go go out and everything I do now is with purpose, right? And so I don't just go up to the comedy club to go hang out. I went to the improv the other night because I really love the lineup. Patton Mm -hmm. Oswalt, Craig Robinson, um, Dane Cook, um, like all these guys that are really like watching. Um, and then when the show was over, I got in my car and I left, you know what I'm saying? Whereas mm-hmm. pre COVID, it was just like, hang out, see who's coming around. Like, you know what I mean? And so mm-hmm. for me, uh, that work-life balance was just like, what is the purpose of me being here versus like, I just need to be here, mm-hmm. you know? And that's really what's changed for me because now if I hang out at a show, or I hang out at a club, I, it really bums me out when I don't get on stage or I'm not doing a show. And the alternative is I get to go hang out with my beautiful, smart, amazing, funny wife, you know? So it's not again, but it's, it's like work smarter, not harder. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's just like, you know, now that I'm not like doing that, like hustle, sit in a room for two hours, waiting to get up kind of thing, you know, but now I, I put a lot more time in, in my preparation for that show that night, mm-hmm. you know, whereas I used to like, just like look at my set list and go, okay, cool. I'm, these are the jokes I'm going to try tonight. It was like, now I'm like, this is what I'm doing. This is my plan. You know, this is how long the, the set's going to be. You know, I'm much more meticulous in regards to like my preparation and my writing 
Uh, whereas before it was just like, well, as long as I'm here, then I'm doing it. You right. know what I'm saying? And that that's the huge difference. Like I, I started something called Right Club during the pandemic where just like we would jump on Zoom, there'd be like five or six communities and we would just pitch jokes to each other, you know, and that like just got me writing every single day. And, you know, and so for, for me, a lot of comedians that I see that are doing like three, four shows a night or, or like three, four mics a night, it's like they're not out there getting that life experience that you need to be funny. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? It's like I, I was talking to one comedian. And he's like, how do you come up with all this new material? I'm like, go get dumped. Like, go get your heart broken. <laughs> I go, go sit. I, I told one comedian, I, I did this like when I first started. I went and sat in a courthouse one time just watching like these. Yeah. Like I go and I sit in the mall and I just and I just observe people and mm -hmm. I start writing down like everything that's happening around me. And, you know, um, like go to go places where like shit's going down. And you'll find how much, like, how much source material you'll get from that, you know, and, and I'm certainly not suggesting that people don't get stage time, but I think there's something to be said about the quality of the stage time that you're getting. It's true. I like to call it a point of diminishing returns, where if you're doing too many mics, too many shows, that's the thing. You run out of stuff to talk about, or you're just yeah. not giving yourself space to, um, you're not giving yourself the room to run into funny situations just right. in the wild. Right. So you got to go and live life a little bit so that you have something to talk about, you know, mm -hmm. because, and you've seen these, I mean, you and I've spent enough time in those open mics that, that you see the guys that crush at open mics <laughs> that they're just, it's all inside jokes. It's all, in, it's all inside baseball because yeah, they can't go to a club in Chicago and you know, or they do right. go and nobody knows what they're talking about. Right. And so because they don't, they're not living their life. So for me, the pandemic really taught me and, and really getting married taught me um, to uh, have that work-life balance and to like experience new things. And so, you know, we, we, we travel, we're, you know, we've got our two dogs, we've got our two guinea pigs. We got, you know, we had a, we had a chameleon for a little while that, you know, and so like we we're just experiencing new things. And when you get married or you get into a relationship, you can't help, like you're no longer just thinking about yourself. Right. Mm -hmm. And so you're thinking about other people. And so like that brings in a whole different perspective into your life, you know, because at the end of the day, you know, stand up comedy is just sharing your perspective on things. And so my my perspective went from like oh, divorce guy that's dating and trying to figure out who he is to like, oh, I'm married. I'm happy. I've got my shit together. I'm sober. I'm like, you know what I mean? So like mm -hmm. you, you, you evolve as a person as you get older. Uh, hopefully you evolve as a person. Hopefully. So. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, your material is going to change and, and hopefully get better as you get better at writing a joke. But, you know, for me, it's like, I, I really value the time uh, that I have. And um, I really want to make the most of it versus like, just hanging out at a mic for a few hours, you know. Did you pick up any like um, hobbies or anything? Did you start? Because I, I know you used to play poker. Are you still doing that? Yeah, I play poker quite a bit. Um, it, it was funny because once the pandemic hit, we just switched to online poker. <laughs> <laughs> so we're doing poker. And, um, you know, uh, I, I do, I, I was doing a lot of volunteer work before uh, the pandemic hit and then that shut down, obviously. Mm -hmm. But, you know, like a lot of people, I, I, it's funny because my wife likes to watch a lot of like trash reality TV. So like all the 90 day fiance's, mm -hmm. the love after lockup, 
right now we're watching something called Sister Wives. And so I, I literally started like, I go, all right, well, if you're going to make me watch these, I started meme accounts. So now mm-hmm. I have, I have like a meme account for 90 Day Fiance. Oh, nice. And so I just started making memes of like, all right, well, because I would just make these comments and, you know, Jen would laugh and I'm like, mm-hmm. all right, I'm going to make that a meme. And then, you know, that kind of took off. And so, you know, and then my wife and I started making sketches, you know, just here and there. Mm-hmm. So she's, she's a, a, a retired goth. Um, I know there's no video, but there's a lot of gothy stuff in our house. <laughs> and so um, we made a, a sketch called Goth Jenga. So we sat down and did like two goth people playing Jenga. And, you know, so, you know, we just we just had fun. And, and you know, what's interesting about my relationship is that we went from long distance to living together in a pandemic. And, mm-hmm. you know, I know a lot of people didn't make it out. And, you know, we, we actually got stronger. And we, we, we kind of like it was trial by fire for us because right. we knew that eventually we were going to get married and live together. But this was just like, well, you're doing it on Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, it was a, and, and, and we had to plan a wedding during the pandemic, which was weird in and of itself. So, yeah, I went to, well, my yeah. brother's wedding ended up being that too. It ended up, you know, it was supposed to be this whole big thing. And then they still wanted to get married. So they just whittled it down to a 30 person outdoor thing that like just family attended. And I mean, I'm glad they still did it that way. It was really beautiful and it felt special and nobody got COVID. So. Right. Yeah. Same here. We actually, it was funny because we didn't really have a theme and then we went to like the party store and then like the first aisle we walked down was all tiki. And so we're like, (laughs) all right, we're having a, (laughs) we're having a Brady bunch tiki wedding. You know, it was like, and so we just bought like, I think our whole wedding cost maybe four or $500. I mean, it was like the cheapest wedding ever, but we had That's the phenomenal. best time. Yeah. yeah, we had the best time. And, and like you said, there was, I think maybe 30 or 40 people there, um, you know, and they were like the people that we love the most. And then people on the West coast, cause we got married in Chicago, got to check it out on Facebook live and, mm-hmm. you know, just had a great day. I love that so much. Well, um, once again, I want you to go ahead and like plug everything so the special's already out it's on amazon and youtube um where yes. can people find you yeah so everything is at kengar was taken uh you know the joke is kengar was was taken so <laughs> i put kengar was taken um and then uh yeah it's on youtube it's called american hero so if you just type in kengar american hero or if you go to uh my profile on instagram or twitter uh the link is there as well um i'll be at the uh, laughs unlimited in sacramento at the end of this month and then actually next month i'll be in dubai so i know you're huge in dubai galena so if you if you're a fan of galena then you are gonna definitely want to come check me out at the laughter factory um which is i was a, gonna a, ask a if it was show. another military show but it doesn't sound no. like it <laughs> <laughs> no uh, but the way the world is going right now by the time i get there it could be a military show it could so. be it's called the laughter factory yeah, so it's like this, uh, it's this tour of uh, one-nighters that's uh, they do in Dubai. So, um, so yeah, so I don't know all the exact venues, but if you're in Dubai, just hit me up and I'll let you know where they're going to be. So. Well, bring me back a gold-plated toilet seat from there, will you? <laughs> I, I was going to bring you a Ferrari. I know you, I know you, I know you're into Ferraris and they just leave them parked <laughs> at the airport apparently, so. <laughs> well, thank you so much. This is wonderful. Oh, it's great to see you, Galena. Great to see you too.